From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. And uh, Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're rejoicing to welcome in Jane Lee in person. I'm rejoicing to be here in yes. person. And what a great time of year. Weather, the rain, the air is clear, the sky is blue, the leaves are on fire. They're just lovely. I love the leaves. I do That's, too. It's kind of God's treat for, uh, okay, I'm going to turn down the lights a little bit. I'm going to turn down mm-hmm. the temperature a little bit. It's going to get colder, and but you're going to get a spectacular. It's one of those bucket list things. The you know the the east coast the uh-huh. you know New the England right, supposedly, right. Um, I mean and, and they even have I mean they have it's not just the Chamber of Commerce as the newspapers tell you where the where where the best viewing is because it can vary from year to year based on temperature and mm-hmm. and things like that. We don't get quite as much of it in the Diocese of Sacramento. In the mountains, they they do get some uh, where the aspens kind of mix right. in with the conic. I mean the evergreens are. Evergreen, you don't. Uh-huh. We don't get any color out of the evergreens. We do pretty good in Sacramento. You could just driving around on the streets there or on the freeway. Some, there's a lot of beautiful trees right I, now. The I colors. Think some people have planted trees that there's uh, liquid ambers mm-hmm. get pretty, uh, pistachios get pretty, ginkgos get pretty. There, there's a there's a, a bunch that can, but we have one tree. We have a liquid amber in our backyard that some years I can count five or six different colors. Wow. And other times of the year, I mean, not, not, I mean, other years, mm-hmm. not a lot of anything kind of turns brown and falls off. So uh-huh. you, you don't know what you're going to get. True. And it's, it's so much a sign of God's majesty and presence because even a tree that you've seen in your neighborhood for years and years doesn't change the same way every year. You'll have That's different right. colors at different times and different yep. hues. And it's, if we look, if we pull ourselves up from our phones <laughs> and our busyness, or I just love, I really think of the windshield as a viewing as to what God is creating. Another thing that I see God doing, at least here in the breadbasket of the world, is, of course, we have all of our summer crops starting Mm -hmm. literally in late April with cherries. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have apricots and peaches and plums and nectarines and all the, you know, and all the the nut nut Mm -hmm. fruits, which are kind of late summer, early fall, and, and tomatoes and everything else. But then in the winter... All the citrus ripens. Yes. Right in the dead of winter, yes. you drive by and there's, there's these bright oranges against the green leaves in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what's more gorgeous than an orange? And just it, driving it, through a neighborhood, a yeah. grapefruit tree that's full. Or a lemon a tree. tree. Or right. As I've, I've, I have a neighbor that's got a grapefruit tree that these things are like softballs. Yes, I mean, they're huge. It's an old growth tree. Balls. They're yes. just huge, and, and you, you you see them actually having to prop the branches up with with wow. sticks because there's so much weight from the fruit. And they're the best, aren't they? They're so oh, yeah. mild. They're not that tart, never yeah. touch kind of thing. They're really be- well, yeah. That's God's why majesty. God gave us sugar. <laughs> True, true. But just the things that God does. And and last week I had an opportunity to go to the um, relic display of, that our diocese mm-hmm. has. We have a massive storehouse of <laughs> saints relics that are was just St. Clair's. Yes, it was yes. at St. Clair's. <gasps> Father George Snyder. Yes, the re- He's the, the, I, there, There's got to be a name, a relic. I don't, lead man, you know, yes. He's he's the he relic maintains guy. it all, yes. And he he needs and he gave and us and he spontaneously just, he gave us a long tour and talked about the all the documents they have to prove that they're all and they only bring out those that are definitely proven and they have others they just don't have enough room for them and, and I, every every now and then you know they put on a public show of, yes. or if, if maybe a traveling relic is coming in it's just that we'll get Father George on just fascinating oh it is it's just fascinating so to be in front of something that you know is the first class relic or a second class relic a part of them a bone chip or something that they wore it's just it brings our faith out of into reality so to speak and they've got them from the apostles and with the documentations like they were real they were here and it, your faith then takes on a tangible quality. Mm-hmm. The experience of God takes on the, we're just not seeing the colors in the trees. We could actually, if we could touch, someone had to touch it. It's like seeing Juan Diego's tilma. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, it's just so spiritually nourishing and strengthening. Yep. And so Saint Charbel was one of those, and he had, and they put sometimes they put up um, some information about them, and he had a quote about families. And since the ministry that God created and asked me to do, or you know how God asks, he kind of asks, but you you know it's an expectant yes. Did he call on your cell or on the landline? <laughs> he kind of did everything possible. Yeah, yeah, because you're just like we all do the Moses thing. At least I know I do. And then when he starts showing up in other places, it's like, okay, I better just like get this or it's going to yeah. get bigger. And we have to, and, we, and then you just see that you're, you're supposed to. So God's heart and hands, that, that parents are God's heart and hands, that we are the link between our children and God. And that's a big, big chasm right now. It's just not what he created, but with what's going on in society right now, it's a widening breach that parents really have to stand in, stand up. We can't take anything for granted anymore. We can't assume... Everything from their entertainment to the the education to the food to what's in the foods and things and so on. We have to be aware because things are changing so rapidly. And so to have a saint like St. Charbel talk about families and just how critical families are and that he says, preserve the warmth of a family because the warmth of the whole world cannot make up for it. It really just catches your attention because... What goes on in the family, the world will never have an opportunity to create that. As much as the world is now saying, well, you need to do this, parents, or your kids need to do this. The, the, the upbringing of a family, creating a family and bringing them up, there's nothing else. We, we think we can replace parts of it, and yes, we can. We can have other people step in for daycare or tutoring, because I'm a private math tutor, so I help out in that part. But the, the, the crux of it, how God created it, Nothing can even step close, and it's being diluted, and it's being pulled out and, and fractured almost. And so to see St. Charbel, and also to see God's work of, he sent, you know, to go up there, to walking through this room of however many relics, probably a hundred by the time you counted all of them, and just your eye drops on something, mm-hmm. and it just catches your eye. And then to look him up more and see how much he's talked about families. And he goes back to Genesis, and in Genesis, it's in the first chapter, one twenty-two. and God blessed them, saying, be fertile, multiply, fill the earth. And his commentary on that is, God intended for them, for the generational model, by creating children, and children create children, and so on, it was the generational model for humanity. And he says, the human family on earth is the image of the holy family in heaven. The family passes on the plan of God from one generation to another. It holds the message of salvation and sanctity to humanity. It's profound, and he lived in the in the 1800s. Well, the, yeah, that's the interesting. He died in 1898, but uh, lived almost the most of the century, 1828 to 1898, a, a time of great change uh, in the world. But uh, and he was from Lebanon. But you think. Oh, way back then, we think of the not the disintegration, but the breakup of the family, mm-hmm. the the problems that uh, we're having be, because uh, you know, which we're pointing at the breakup of the family as as a reason for a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what else is is in there, but but mm-hmm. it seems like that that's that's one thing that's major. We think that is a modern day phenomenon, mm-hmm. and yet he's talking about it. Uh, 170 years ago. Right. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he died in 1898, so 124 years ago when he died. But he was talking about it prior to that, so 150, 160, 170 years ago, mm-hmm. he was concerned about the family. Wow. It, that's that's a it's interesting and how and we look at the the 60s or we pick a decade and we see oh there was a, a marked change then but to go that far back it is it's been a long time running and it's been and the, and the enemy if you i would say has been planting that seed and working through it and there's a quickening um it seems like is going on and or from all fronts and they and we didn't see it then we didn't we didn't see the pieces coming on but now families are really um it's, it's a huge time for them. And so the work of God's heart and hands is to help parents get that focus of while it's like crisis on every front, so to speak, like every angle is taking their attention and their discernment and possibly movement, meaning what do we have to do different or should we? And we prayed about it by putting God back in the center, just mm-hmm. that simplicity of putting, and, and it's not easy, but it's simple. We put God back in the center because we've been so distracted. I remember my mom's generation, so she was raising kids in the 50s and 60s, 
saying that there was Dr. Spock. There was a baby book. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I was raising mine in the 90s, or when they were just born, there was aisles at uh, Barnes & Nobles, or Borders, who was no longer in, in uh, business, yeah. but of parenting books. Right. So in one generation, we switched. But before that, even then, parents were like, we know how to raise kids. We don't need an expert coming in telling us right. what to do. There was that innate sense. And just that one thread of watching the enemy un- unsettle parents' confidence that they knew what to do, that it comes down to the basics of love and and, and healthy discipline, but primarily God being at the center of well, it. Well, God being at the center, and, and I guess I would say I learned my parenting by osmosis from my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't ever sit down and say, Bobby, when you're a dad, <laughs> you need to do this. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to be the kind of dad my dad was. I wanted... Um, I wanted to be the kind of parent my mom was, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and I, I remember if, if you asked me when I was 10 years old to, uh, uh, well, you know, what do you want to do when you, when you grow up, mm-hmm. um, other than, uh, play uh, major league baseball, uh-huh. I found out when I was 12, I couldn't hit a curveball, So that was kind of the end of that. <laughs> but I want, I wanted to be a dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was what I wanted to be. I didn't want to be right. a firefighter or an. Uh-huh. Well, we didn't have astronauts in those days. Uh, I didn't want to be a firefighter or a- anything else. I wanted to be a dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, not, not a goal. It's just how, just how I imagined growing up. Uh, you know, I, I imagined having a family and being a dad and having kids. Wow, and, um, that's beautiful. And, and I, I that had to have come from my parents, mm-hmm. and um, I mm-hmm. guess maybe a little bit from God. Or maybe mm-hmm. a whole bit from God, but that was in my heart from a very young time, and uh, I, I'm not I'm not saying that was a good thing or a bad thing. Right, I, I it think was it's just great there. when somebody wants to be a grow up to be a firefighter or or, mm-hmm. or anything else, you know. Um, but but that that was just all I ever wanted to be, and when I actually became that, became a dad, um, it was overwhelmingly good you know it was Mm -hmm. it was more than i dreamed of Mm -hmm. and and remains that way Mm -hmm. you know and you you find out no matter what age your kids are you're still their dad yes or you're still their mom there is there's there's an intrinsic experience in us that god created us to that we can't you can't even address i'd like to give words to to a parent to describe parenthood it's trying it's like trying to describe a color or a taste you can't it's your cells that experience of love for another human being um, for a child that you're so vulnerable with and you will do anything to protect and that you always will will do whatever possible it's it's really god wired us to love like he loves us and to really understand that is and so we've we've kind of like tried to quantify parenthood too much oh it's this task this skill this you know i remember when i was raising my kids it was it's the quality of time the quality time not the quantity oh, time yeah, we heard that a lot yes well, actually no it's not who's ever got the quantity is going to make their quality yeah. in that child they're going to form that child's character who's ever there or not there and and so i wanted to be the one to, if, if they were going to, if I wanted to be the one to make the mistakes because I wanted to know what the mistakes were and I wanted to be there and I was willing to make the sacrifice to do it or shift because I was an engineer. I was trained. I was professional. And I really fully planned, honestly, to go back to work because that was the model that I was weaned right. into and molded into. But as soon as you hold that child, everything falls away. And so we found other ways. And so it's really interesting talking about parenting and how God will guide a family. We've always had working mothers. And I've found it after going many, many years into it. It's like, why are we making the issue about working mothers? Women have always had to in one capacity or another. One way or no, women have worked managing the home, saving the money, managing the money, whatever, making things, weaving it together. And so it doesn't have to be a job in, in, on the outside with a paycheck. And it's a huge spiritual growth, especially when you've got a diploma that has a nice title on it. It's a huge spiritual growth to say, I'm going to make this work for you because I have to sacrifice for you. I'm called to. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what did God, why did, what does God want us to do as parents? 
And so it, there isn't a right or wrong. There isn't a, but the narrative has taken on such that there's no room for it. And so God, by seeing ourselves as God's heart and hands, we begin with that. One of the families I tutor for, it's a stay-at-home dad. They've switched because of their the place they are in their careers and what's going on and the finances. They've switched roles for a while, and it works. So there is no one role that works for everyone. So when we see ourselves as God's heart and, ha- heart and hands, it's like, well, you gave us these children because we as a family we went through years of infertility and surgeries and doctors and we mm-hmm. weren't actually supposed to be able to have a, both of them um, are miracle children and we should be written up in the medical books they said and I, I'd had enough of doctors by that point takes I'll take my baby and go home um, but with that it's that um, oh gosh how to say it um, that when we're when we were given that, Everything shifts around that because we can only have a child if God says so. The, and so when we talk about pro-life, God ordained for that child to be born 30 years before 9-11. So they could be the first responder that wanted to be a fireman that had to be there on time. Well, that child had to be born decades earlier. God saw what was coming. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Yes. Yeah, that's, of you know, of all, of all the discussions about abortion whether legal discussions or just just one-on-one discussions with people uh that one stops me in my tracks every time before i formed you in the womb i knew you you know yeah you have to believe in god mm-hmm. you have to believe that jeremiah is the word of god mm-hmm. you know there's some leaps of faith or gifts of faith in there mm-hmm. but once you do or if you do and i do it's 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 a game stopper or a game mm-hmm. changer. There's no more discussion to happen. It's, right. It's you know you can you can still do have all the compassion in the world for someone that's in a difficult situation. You can still offer all the help you mm-hmm. want. And and, and we're and called to, don't you think? As a community, oh, we're called to. And, yes. And you should never you know judge not. Um, but in terms of before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Uh, Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, this, it, it wasn't an accidental pregnancy. It wasn't, no, an, it, wasn't it was an, time. It wasn't an unplanned pregnancy. Uh-huh. It wasn't, those are all secular terms. You know, those are all human terms. Right. In our but, limited, finite capacity. Yeah, yes. But, but uh, God knew you before you were born, before you were even conceived. That's a, to get over that one Mm -hmm. and say well yeah but this time god made a mistake (laughs) this time the circumstances are such that it's actually a mistake on god's part but we know from the stories of the saints going back to the relics how many of them were born into huge families of poverty yeah and it was the eighth of 13 children that's and it's not a, a a it, it doesn't mean something's not going to work out, but you're right. God does. And when we went through the five years of infertility and, 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 and grieving through all of that, a neighbor said something fascinating that changed the whole picture for me. What seems to you like forever right now, mm-hmm. that child is meant to be somewhere in 20 years. So the year that's different now means a huge difference sure. 20, 30 years down the road for that child. God knew you and has plans for you. And so when we look at what is a surprise pregnancy then, in the big picture, it all has purpose. And we have to understand that, that there's that there's the child is born because part of God's plan for humanity. Right. And that completely changes it. So when we see it as this child is coming here now for a reason, it's a surprise. We don't want to shift. None of us likes change. And yes, it's monumental and so on and so forth. But then there's a bigger picture to it. And what you said about um, believing in Jeremiah and that it's God-inspired, it's so interesting that now we've taken that and the discussion of pro-life as to what I think. Well, the people far more knowledgeable than I have have vetted the Bible thousands or however long years ago. And so I'm confident in it so I can read anything in it and believe that it Mm -hmm. was God-inspired. I didn't have to worry about that. And so I don't have to make all the decisions. And then understanding going through years of infertility and how long it took to conceive that child, that child was meant to be born when he was, not two years earlier, because he wouldn't be exactly where he is right now doing what he's doing right now. And so 
we have to get back, I believe, to the bigger picture for those things that are unknown. Mm -hmm. And the timing of a child's birth is very unknown to us. But then when we look back, it's like, oh, it made it makes, makes sense. sense. Right. Well, I, I mean, you get every every time you have a birthday, somebody will say, well, how does it feel to be 22 years old or 40 uh -huh. years old or whatever it is? And my response, which is very comforting to me, is I was born on the exact day that God wanted me to be born. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I might wish I was 19 and uh, could run the 100-yard dash in 10 seconds or uh, mm -hmm. whatever, you know. Um, but I don't really because I was born at the exact minute mm -hmm. that God wanted me to be born. So uh, who am I to second-guess God? His, right. His, his plan's perfect. My plan would be, well, let's see, uh, what age, if you could pick an age and freeze mm -hmm. it, what age would that be? You know, and, and uh, my wife and I have had that discussion as the kids grow older. Because we, you look at the, I, I, there's, there's a picture, four, four of our kids, you know, with Santa, uh -huh. you know, and they're like, two, three, four, and five. And it's just one of those most precious pictures. They're yes. all so sweet and hopeful and happy. And, yeah. you know, and, and you can see, you, already you can see the different personalities mm -hmm. between the four kids. You know, they're just, they're just, um, and, and you, you, in some ways, it, it's, it's bittersweet. It's right. that, oh, oh, I just would love to just hold little Emmy when she was right. three again and tell her mm -hmm. that everything's okay. And, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And yet, we have a discussion. I say, so, so, at what age would you have frozen these kids? Like, you're never right. going to get older. I, I remember when, when Maeve was five months old, mm -hmm. and had her on my shoulder, and we were walking down to the beach in Washington State, and Shelley and I, and 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 Maeve, and and I said to Shelley, if if this was as old as a baby got. Not that they're going to die, but right. this, this, right. this was as old as a baby got, five months. I'd take it. I'd right. take it, you know. Right. But then they take their first step, mm -hmm. and then they say their first word, and then they have their first day of school. Right. And then they get, a, you know, on the volleyball team or in the school mm -hmm. play or, you know, and then they maybe they go off to college if you're lucky. Right. Or they go off to the military, or they or they mm -hmm. get a job, mm -hmm. um, and I've had I've had a, all of those experiences with my kids, and and they call home with some good news or something, mm -hmm. or they call home and say, guess what, we're pregnant. Uh huh. <laughs> you know. Right. And and you go, well, wait a minute, I, I wanted to freeze you when you were five, five months old, right. or five years old, or fifteen. Right. I wanted to freeze that moment, but it goes on, mm -hmm. and it it's goes on as it should. Right. You know, there's no there's no lamenting, mm -hmm. like oh, how did I get to be ninety years old? I want to be fifty. You know. Right. Right. So uh, with that, don't we all have to trust that God has a plan for that child completely. and just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Like what you were talking about with the picture. I used to try to memorize what my children looked at like at a different age because you couldn't capture it. It's like, oh, please, Lord, just help me remember this really sweet moment. And you remember the emotion of it. But for the details, thank you for Kodak. Yeah. Um, and that sort of thing. So, yes. But and that's with an understanding that there is a plan, that it does work out. And that child has such intense purpose that a story for humanity and everything we pray to to understand and to repair everything um environmentally medically politically god sent people how does he solve problems he solves them by giving those ideas to people that are, are there now or by creating the people with the talent right and for um a, a commission that's going to solve a problem those half a dozen people the half a dozen people behind um, a, a politician that's going to get elected or for an invention or anything, the team that's going to come together had to be born at certain times in right. certain places. 
And so that I would offer for the reasons that we say, no, you, should, you know, if a child, uh, somebody actually said to me, I just don't want, um, if, if the child's not wanted, I, I think it's, it's not fair to have them be born. But how do we know that the process later, and I said that, you know, nine months is a long time, it allows you to get used to it. And the person said, everyone I know that didn't want it to be pregnant did not want the child. Well, I, I, that isn't a reason to stop that person right. from living. And so when we also when we broaden the, the discussion of a life to stopping that person from living, stopping that life from happening, regard, and, take, and remove it from the detail that they're trying to hang everything on, but to back it up and say, he knew you in the womb before you were born. Yeah. And so to look at it that way, it's just a different, and if we can look at it from a different direction, a different perspective and see something different then the other perspective by scientific deduction of logic is not valid. Yeah. And you know, and there's, there's two parts to that. Jeremiah is, is before I formed you in the womb, I knew you meaning God knew you, God knew who you would become. God mm -hmm. had a plan for you, but also the first part, before I formed you in the womb, yes, God had, God didn't just have a hand in it. God, it's God's handiwork in the womb, True. you know, and I think, you know, and, and God bless everybody. Uh, you know, I mean, we're all, we're all muddling through the world, mm -hmm. trying, you know, and, and, um, we shouldn't have enemies and division and, and no. all that stuff. But, but, so many people it's like well it wasn't a good time for us to have a baby you know we were both we just got married and we were right. starting in our jobs and they were busy jobs and and all this and like we'll have in their mind almost we'll have that baby later right well that it won't be that baby no you know it'll be it, it will, and i hear what they're saying because they're turning to that page it's only they only know that page in the book but there's more pages in the book. Yeah. There's the story unfolds. That's not the end of the story. Yeah, every every baby is unique, and mm -hmm. and yeah, you may have a baby later, and 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 I understand what they're thinking, but I think they're they're they miss that, you know, this baby is unique mm -hmm. from that baby, right? And and this baby, this is their one, their one shot. Their one shot. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And, and yeah, maybe three years down the road when everything's comfy and you got a new couch and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and two cars in the driveway, yeah, you'll have a baby. You won't have that baby. Right, yeah. right. And so one thing I find really helpful is I stand in their perspective and it's like, let me look at it through your eyes. I, in order to understand, I believe, in order for us to really have a, a conversation that is not just divided I'm going to go stand in your space and look at it through your eyes. And I see what they're saying, and then I see the landscape beyond. And, and I used to have a magnet on my refrigerator saying there's always a larger landscape than the one you see. And so over time, I really took it in, and I hear their landscape, but there's a larger landscape. And we don't know what it is, but it is there. And there's a landscape beyond that, and so on. And so in... in Looking at uh, something else St. Charbel said, the family carries the torch of light and passes it from one generation to another so the world may remain lit by the light of the Lord. The family structure that God created of the family passes on the story of salvation. The, the, the big, in the biggest picture of what he has planned for humanity, it comes down to the families, it comes down to the children. And any, for any family that has more than one child, when you look, like you said, every child is different. They look different. They have different characteristics, very different talents. And they're, they're all, and for each one of them to be born is something else is their, their classmates were born around the same time. They were, they, or actually their classmates were in utero at the same time. And their sportsmates were in utero mm -hmm. at the same time. Their, um, who they were going to marry friends, college friends. So the map that God creates for everyone that he forms in the womb, there's many other pieces that he's also created. And so now that we're 50 years into this of, of legalized uh, abortion, now the gaps are starting to show up. There's people who can't find their mates. They're, they're, the classes, yeah. we don't have, we're, we've lost classmates, we've lost sportsmates, and so on. And so if we're looking at the, in St. Charbel, he really talks about 
the family, because the family is the image of God, the evil one is focusing on destroying the family. So this is back in the 1800s. Because they know that by destroying the family, the foundations of the plan of God will be shaken. And in one other point, he said that, um, that Satan hates the family because God loves it, because it's God's model for how foundational it is in humanity and how he's going to work. It all comes from the family, the forming. Imagine, imagine if we didn't have families. You know, I mean, th- there's, <laughs> there's uh, God in his wisdom. Mm-hmm. There'd be uh, a million ways for human beings to come into existence. God could just go, boom. Up oh, there you are. You're a five year old. You know, uh-huh. uh, whatever. Or just, it just uh, doesn't take two people. It just takes one person. You, you mean just, like in a petri dish kind of thing? Or I, I, who knows? I yeah. mean, you just say, God, I'd love to have a baby now. And okay, oh, here tomorrow, you go. There's your baby. There, right. there you go. It's and it doesn't even have to be a baby. It could be a six year old. Uh-huh. I mean, look like a six year old. Oh, interesting. You know, it doesn't. Uh-huh. It doesn't. It God could have done have it that to way. Involve two. Right. Um. Um, it it didn't have to be that way. This is this was God's plan. It wasn't our plan. We didn't right. we didn't come up with all the <laughs> mm-hmm. the the differences in our we're, we're we're male and female. We're both human beings, right? And yet we're in with and we've got hands and arms uh-huh. and eyes and nose and brains and ears and mm-hmm. teeth and all those things. Mm-hmm. And yet we do have parts that are different. Right. And it takes those two parts together. We're not trying to do sex ed on the air here. <laughs> right. You know, but I understand. It, it, you know, but it didn't. I, I've often thought, why did, why did God do it this way? Why right. didn't, why didn't he just do it like, you know, like, like, the amoeba just separates and now there's right. two and then mm-hmm. there's four other parts you know. in nature where it yeah, happens yes you know, just, asexual reproduction yeah yes you know or, or you i know, don't know what did you, you get you get pollinated you go outside and and uh, the pollen falls off the right. apricot tree and you're pregnant you know, it's like, <laughs> okay so keep going with the story well, this is so, interesting so uh-huh. it took two for right for for a good reason because it's god's reason right and that's good all and god are real close in words you know yes and and so, presumably, it takes two to raise that kid, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and and the same two can have another kid, right? I mean, if they're lucky, and another kid, and 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 those kids have similarities, right? But they're all different. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very different, and and that's sort of the basis of the family. You know, I mean, if 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 you could just have a kid on your own, just kind of will it into existence or whatever, mm-hmm. or just like go to the store. Okay, I want a kid today. Right. Um, there would be no concept of family. Okay. Or or kids could have just been born on their own. Okay. And so, how do you think after raising six of the male order kids, like you're talking about, you would have, <laughs> and being at this stage and female order. yeah thank you what would your experience of parenting be right now if that were the model god created for us well it it, it, i'd be it'd be it's it's almost impossible to answer the question see i think it would the richness of the tapestry of being a parent the growth parenting i think is the hardest spiritual journey there is because you're pulled out of everything every source of comfort hot shower hot meal sleep any control over your schedule, being dressed up and a kid throws up on you on the way out, it happens. Everything in life is is challenged when you have children. And that would be gone. That would be, there wouldn't be that, that intrinsic, um, that cellular bond that makes you strive and reach and and keep going. It would be a, a it would almost be like a, a tactical, um, pragmatic, totally yeah. pragmatic. Well, and the, the, the I guess the, the, the other thing that's odd is, and I remember with the very first child, when he was handed to me in the delivery room, thinking at that moment, I would die for this child. Mm-hmm. Ten, ten minutes ago, I didn't know this child. Mm-hmm. And as a man, you don't know it anywhere. I mean, at least the mom is is the is knowing that child inside her mm-hmm. um, in a profound way mm-hmm. that even the most 
quote unquote sensitive male mm-hmm. isn't, you know, and um, but it was one of those things that bypasses the brain, you know. Right. There's this baby that literally ten minutes ago I didn't know. Wow. And and it's instantaneous. I would die for this child. Wow. That's and beautiful. it wasn't because I'm a good person or I'm selfless mm-hmm. or... It was an inner response. It was just a, a inner response. It was instant. I didn't have to grow to love the child right. uh, like you might with a, a puppy or a cat. A kitten or or, like, or someone else's child. You would grow, like if you yeah, didn't know them, you're, you would you grow to love them. Exactly. Oh, right. This is but there's your, a cellular this, this heart. Is your, yes. Your son, Bill, and he's three right. years old. And nice to meet you. And right. he seems like a nice kid. And he plays uh-huh. with your kids. And, and you become fond of them. But right. it's not instant. Oh, right. I would die for Bill. You know, it uh-huh. just isn't. You know, and and so there's there's something else that God gave us as parents that makes us very protective of our kids, mm-hmm. concerned about our kids. We will do anything for our kids. We'll do anything for our kids. Beyond what even is normal or reasonable or expected. And or sure, some of some of that probably I learned from my parents. Mm-hmm. Again, by by example, not by mm-hmm. this is how you be a parent. Um, but, but it was just, it was just like a gift from God. It's just, mm-hmm. and the know. sacrifices we made, we will make everything from the last piece of chicken and they don't on the plate like to sacrifices. the sacrifices. No, but you no, but it is. We're like, I will give for you yeah, even of my own needs Oh yeah, because of the love that I have for you. Yes. And one of the moms that reached out to me in the, in the, work of God's heart and hands ministry. She was a physicist and she had her first child and she wanted to stay home and she got quite a bit of pressure from her colleagues, especially women colleagues. Why aren't you coming back? Why aren't you coming back? And it was a couple of months into it and it hit her as she was just walking through her house carrying her baby daughter. Why isn't love enough? Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between those two models. If, if you could order a child and you have a child today versus how it really is. And, and they balk when you say, well, God designed it this way. They all have a problem with that. It doesn't matter what you call it or if you don't. It's how it is. And it is we, how it is. I mean, ima- imagine if from birth you were just sort of alone. Somehow you managed to, right. to survive, you know, uh-huh. feed yourself, uh, you know, um, a, a little bit like animals out in nature. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're nurtured for a little while mm-hmm. in, the mo- in most cases. And then they're, they're on their own. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine you, you never had a mom or dad. You just didn't. It, right. uh, it wasn't the way it worked. It wasn't, you know. We can't really prove it, just hypothetically. Yeah. What if you didn't? You know, I mean, how many times, not just in times of crisis, but in times of joy, have you turned to your family? Mm-hmm. How many, t- I mean, um, I, I had, a, I had a, a, a male friend who was, who was single, and he'd, He'd call me up because he, he knew I liked to travel, and he'd say, hey, did you, tell me about the Oregon coast. I'm thinking of going to the Oregon coast. Tell me a, a good place to mm-hmm. have dinner or to stay or camp or whatever. And I'd tell him, and, and, and I'd say, well, who are you going with? You know? And he said, oh, I, I'm just going to – I'm going by myself. You know? And that suited him. Right. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of going to the Oregon coast by myself. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't enjoy it as much without somebody with me, right? Because Most, of mostly my family, but I mean, right. I, I, even even with a, a college roommate or something, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd enjoy it more. It's the human experience. Yeah, yes. we know, all do need isolation like, now and then. Wow, but Bob, look at the look at that sunset over the ocean. Yeah, Bob, that's nice. <laughs> and, you know, and you're like. Yeah, but there is I, the I human connection. Much. Right. And we do. We do need that. Even Jesus said, you know, go into your closet with your father alone. We do need that. But community. Yeah. He didn't do it on his own. Yeah. He formed community, which think, formed a bigger community. I think so much of that go into the closet, which I've hit on many times. I've thought about it. Has to do with don't don't be showy with your you know, it, because mm-hmm. people say, "Well, the reason I do this is because I'm I'm trying to set an example. I'm I'm, you know, spreading the faith and and uh, I'm witnessing. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 very definitely, there's there's a role for witnessing. Mm-hmm. You know, like wow, what? I mean, look at 
so-and-so walking into church on Sunday morning. I didn't know that was a person of faith, you know, and, uh-huh. and maybe, maybe I should go check out that church. But when it, you know, that, that notion of go in your closet and pray, I think has to do with don't be beating your breast and right. talking about how great you are. Right. And, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. the humility yeah. of keeping it quiet. One of the best things um, St. Charbel said is we're talking about the structure of the family and what if we didn't have, what a family work construct family life or raising children was constructed completely differently. And I think it's a really good exercise because when you step outside of the way God constructed it, then we can actually see the beauty more so because when you're when you're in it you can't always see the fibers the tapestry the beauty of it but when we step out of it it's through all of that um that the beauty of the family experience and saint charbel said the family is what gives people their human identity and impresses the image of god in them that's so powerful because the the family how do people get their identity so if we could order a child and they just show up and they're six years old, <laughs> they've missed six years of their identity. They do get their identity from us. Oh, yeah. And and from the subtle to the to the obvious to the subtle to the unknown, it's there that they get from us, from what we got from our family. Our um, uh, children are really interested in their – they're going back generation and generation through the, mm-hmm. the, the archives and so on, genealogy, to see – what their grandparents' grandparents were and their stories to them. And so it's really forming them in a different way to know stories that I never even knew about where they lived and what they did and if they showed up in the newspaper or things like that. And, and, and especially when St. Charbel says, impresses the image of God in them. So he's kind of like he's, he's looking at what's in the Bible in Genesis one twenty six. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image after our likeness. So he's, he's seeing that, and he's looking at the families in the 1800s and the terrific changes that are going on, and he's talking about that the family impresses the image of God in the children. That's kind of like a spiritual mandate. So as we go through this and try to really navigate, and it's really good to turn this all around and look at it from different angles because we can't keep the same vocabulary to solve this because it's just so emotionally charged but we have to look at it. We have to step outside and said the plan is never just what's on the paper or just what's on the table or in the room. There is a landscape larger than the one we see. How are we going to handle this? And St. Charbel went into that, too. He was uh, a mystic and just an amazing saint. So he, Go- was, he was a monk. Yes. A Maronite monk. Right. And from Lebanon. Yes. And actually the— How did you trip on him? He was at the... Um, the he, it was on the relics. It was at the relics. It was up. They had the they had it standing up. And literally, it's one of those things where the Holy Spirit... Had you Spirit, heard of him? What's that? Had you heard of no. him? No. Yeah. No. And I looked him up on um, YouTube, and um, Father Chris Alar did a whole hour on him in um, explaining the faith in his sessions. And um, he said that he is attributed to being the saint in the Catholic Church with the most miracles. Hmm. And what's fascinating, and he just did this recently, that there have been, and they they catalog all the, most of them, they, after they get so many, like they're uh, canonized, that's enough, We you know, the rest is nice, but that right. got us where they needed to go. They're keeping track of his, and they said that they he has been attributed with more miracles in the last two years than the last two decades. Wow. So there's a lot of spiritual work that's going on. So he even hmm. talked to, to, to parents, and he said, guard your families and keep them from the schemes of the evil one through the presence of God in them. Protect and keep them through prayer and dialogue, through mutual understanding and forgiveness, through honesty and faithfulness, and most importantly, through listening. And I love that when he goes to explain listening, listen to one another with your ears, eyes, hearts, mouths, and the palms of your hands, and keep the roaring noise of the world away from your homes because it is like raging storms and violent waves. Wow. So direct and so clear about what we have to do as parents is we have to create harder boundaries in our home from the rest of the world and put God back in the center. And it's because it's, it's all, it's been okay all these years, you know, the commercials that came in and the TV shows and, and, you know, all the catalogs that show up at Christmas and everything else. But we have to be on, we have to take a different approach now. And basically, you don't have to filter it if you just keep it out and go back to what God, desi- how God designed it, putting him in the center. And then like you were talking about when you held your son, that that cellular intrinsic 
God design that he put in you that you yeah. would die for this child and you didn't even know him for yeah. Ten, yeah. for 10 minutes. Um, that is what, when that forms you as a parent, things become really clear. Well, I mean, it, it, when you think about it, if it, if it wasn't that way, y- you know, those first few months... Oh, if you didn't love them in- as, instantly? As, yeah, yes. are intense. Yes. You know, uh, even with, with two people in the home, they're, mm-hmm. they're intense. And um, we, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of give back. I mean, you're, you're getting a lot when that kid snuggles up and falls asleep yes. on your shoulder. You know, you're, you're getting a lot. And, and, and they're just changing every day, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and the first time they look you in the look eye, you in the they eye, literally or, look you and they're studying you. Or they smile or they're, yes. you know, and you just see them looking around and they're curious and all those things that the, the, I think you're, you're getting a ton back. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I love the infant stage. I mean, yes. the, the newborn stage. I really love it that It makes stage. the whole world stop, doesn't yeah. it? You yeah. don't hear anything else or see. It literally shuts out all of but creation. But if you didn't have that instant love... It's like, why would you be changing their diaper and making sure they're fed? And if they're burping wrong, you're running to the doctor. And right. you know, um, it would be. I guess you 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 do it out of responsibility for mm-hmm. another human being. You know, I, I I need to be responsible. I mean, this baby's gonna die if I don't take care of it. You know. Right. Um, so it's the the moral thing to do. But that's not the motivation. The motivation Mm-mm. is just this wild love that you just can't explain. Well said, the wild love. It yeah. is, and you cannot explain it. Yeah. No, it's, it's like, that's really true. You know, I mean, in, in the history of human relations, you know, you may have a, a, a teammate or something mm-hmm. that you, you, you love in a certain way. You right, may, as a deep You may deep go friend. out on a date, yes. and I, I, I kind of like him yes. or her, and... Uh, I don't know if I'm really in love with them or not. Right. You know, that whole thing. All those discussions teenagers have and right. roommates uh-huh. have about it, somebody they dated or something. There's no question here. True. I think I sort of love the baby. I think I might keep it. Think, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's just, uh, it's 100%. It's full blown. It's 110%. You know. Right. Right. I remember when my son came home from NICU after a week and he yeah. cried from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. the first day he was home. And they have a picture of the family came to see him and so on. And my eyes are just locked down at him. Yeah. Everything else is gone because this baby finally passed out after six hours of crying <laughs> and nothing else mattered to yeah. me. And you can see it. It just you can see it. That's the whole focus is that because there is a, a there's a life force, a presence. There's something else that goes on for this. And then in 1 John 4, 4, you belong to God, children, and you have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so St. Charbel and Scripture, parents, I would really offer that just filling your eyes and your ears to sustain you because we have been distracted for so long Mm. thinking parenting magazines and parenting experts and on and on and on. Everything's been pulled away that, no, intrinsically, you have a wealth of generations of parents, of your grandparents, great-grandparents, and it's all there. It's all, and the, and the stories of your family. And God would not abandon you. God never abandoned. It's not possible. And so what looks like total shock and fear and everything that we're dealing with, turn back. Turn back, look up, do whatever it is to connect. And that's what I love about St. Charbel is he really gives us that, that the thing to hang on to. And he says, man belongs to God. And that was so clear. We belong to God. We don't belong to anyone else. And he does not abandon us. And so it's kind of like with all the dust, we're in a sandstorm. But underneath it all, squeegee all that sand away, <laughs> you've got that. You've got, we are as loved as how you loved that little boy, that, that infant when you held. Isn't that, the more I learn and go through parenting, we go through the ups and the downs and, and that, and, and be now being uh, officially an empty nester, it's like, oh my gosh, all that mothering, all that, 
what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. Because it does change how you look at the world. And every time, and it frustrated my husband for years, when, when there's a kid that you can just see they've separated from the mom and dad at, at, at anywhere, you're in the mall, you're at a store right. or whatever. I always just stand by and watch and make sure. And, and if the kid's starting to get panicked, I will step in. Mm-hmm. But I'm not leaving that space right. until that child, because you know the look on their Panic. face. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I'm not. And I'm going to follow that kid and, from a distance or step in if I have to. He said, is every kid yours? Well, as a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah. when I had one, it's kind of like mom to one, mom to all, just to make sure they're okay. That's all. It happens. That's all. It's just that community. God does not leave us alone either. And so it's the hardest job in the world right now as a parent, and it's the most and, and then when you understand listening look and look it up the thing Saint Charbel has said, when the thoughts of God are in your minds and the love of God is in your hearts, then the strength of God will be in your arms. But we have to get we've got so many other things in our hands right now. We do. And when we do that, then it all shifts back to oh yeah, God's got this. Yeah. He's got a plan. We're yeah. good. Yeah. God's God was there when I was a little kid. He's there now in modern day. Um, yeah. He hasn't changed. Mm-mm. We've changed. We Is look he adjusting with the times? Is he just, Is God adjusting with the well, times? As, as, as a priest said in a homily, um, the Ten Commandments were not done in clay. They were done in solid yeah. stone. Yeah. You know, and... That was, I think that was a message. That was what priest was saying. Yeah. They're, they're not negotiable. There's no asterisks on them, yeah. you know, but, and, and that. So just to know about St. Charbel is a good help for parents these days. Well, everybody should look him up. Yes. You can just look him up. Father Chris Alar um, has a great talk on him explaining the faith all about uh, St. Charbel. That's and C-H-A-R-B-E-L. He's a Lebanese saint and mystic. Very good. Jane, always always a joy. Great. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks to be here. Thank That's you. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916 972 one two one two and remember again the thrift store is open uh seven days a week at 2275 watt avenue right here in sacramento well bishop soto refers to christ the king retreat center as the jewel of the diocese and indeed it is what a beautiful oasis it is it's located in citrus heights uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, Turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-725. 4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in Healthcare, Education, Housing, and the Care for the Poor and Elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2000. 
2700. That's 916 851 2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of Ministry of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley and Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley and Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Bow down and worship him now. How great. 